Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. And when you get there, you can place a marker, if you would, and then go to Galatians, chapter 5. It's just a few pages before that. It should be there in your Bible. So Ephesians, chapter 5, and Galatians, chapter number 5. If this morning you still have not received the uh, notes, you'll find them in your bulletin. But if you did not get a bulletin for, uh, for whatever reason, if you just raise your hand and the ushers will get one right to you. And that way you can follow along as we study the scriptures together and as we uh, grow together in the word of God. So uh, Ephesians chapter number five and Galatians chapter number five. And we're going to continue our series on by his spirit. And we've been learning about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks, and uh, we want to learn some more about Him today. Uh, I could say that we could probably preach from now till uh, the day we die on the Holy Spirit and not, uh, and still not be able to finish all that there is to know about the Holy Spirit. But in this series, we're doing our best to just uh, get some things that we can grow and apply into our lives and, uh, and, and know about the Holy Spirit and, uh, and get and draw closer to him. So Ephesians chapter number five and Galatians chapter number five. We'll, we'll look at Galatians uh, first, Galatians five and verse number 16. It says this way, it says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this morning we want to talk about what that means, walking in the Spirit. And Ephesians chapter 5 is really the chapter we're going to learn about what that really means. Ephesians chapter number 5. And look at just verse 18 and 19. We'll just read those two verses for the sake of time, though we'll be looking at almost the whole chapter, verses 1 through 21 this morning. Ephesians 5, 18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and the truth that we find in it. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that allows us and enables us to not only understand your word, but to be able to even live your word. Father, thank you for the salvation that we have found in Jesus Christ. And and I pray that this morning, if there be anyone here that has yet to find that salvation, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and I pray that by the uh, impulse of the Holy Spirit uh, and by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they would make that decision today. And then, Father, I pray that you would help us to grow in, uh, in your word this morning as we study this passage. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Help me to communicate the message clearly and that it would be something practical and something we can apply into our life even this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in Him a friend so strong and true would tell you how he changed my life completely he did something that no other friend could do all my life was full of sin when jesus found me all my 
that's full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. when speaking and studying about the Holy Spirit's work and the life of a person, sometimes it can be unbelievable and even hard to understand. For instance, we've, we've learned that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he's a person that we can have a relationship with. He's not just some force out in our world and in our earth, but Uh, He is someone that has a personality, and we see that the Holy Spirit is a person that we can have a relationship with. And then we found that the Holy Spirit is one that is always working in the lives of people. Uh, Of all races, of all nations, the Holy Spirit is always working in the life of a person. For some people, He's working on them to convict them of sin, of righteousness, and in judgment. And we learned about that. And then on other people, He's uh, teaching them and working on them to mold them more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we talked a little bit about how the Holy Spirit does that. But then we also talked about how the Holy Spirit is a guide for those that are seeking help and seeking the way. Jesus said, the comforter that I send, the Holy Spirit, he will be a guide unto you. And so we find that the Holy Spirit is one that guides people as well. And then we learned how the Holy Spirit helps us to live free. In fact, we learned uh, last week there in 2 Corinthians that where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. And we talked about how that freedom allows us to serve it and allows us to know him better. It allows us so much freedom, true freedom. But have you ever thought about knowing and understanding all that the Holy Spirit is, knowing who he is, knowing what he does, knowing what he's enabled us to do, 
Have you ever thought, but how does all this work? How? How does the Spirit do all that? How does He work in me? How does He guide me? How does He allow me to live free? Well, that question of how can sometimes be a very dangerous question. I heard a story about a lady who was calling American Airlines, and she had a question for them. She said, um, she said, uh, I'm just wondering, I'm calling because I'm wondering how long does it take uh, to get from Dallas-Fort Worth to Frankfurt, Germany? Well, the person that had answered the phone had to wait for, the, uh, of course, the information to come out on the computer. And they said, well, just a minute. And the person said, thank you, bye, and hung up. Sometimes asking how is a dangerous question. But when you do ask how, wait long enough to understand what the answer is. This morning, as we, as we study this about how the Holy Spirit begins to work in the life of a person, we want to pause and really study how does this happen. Let's understand what uh, the Bible teaches us on how the Holy Spirit does this work. Now, here in the passage that we're going to be studying, Ephesians 5, Paul is writing to Christians in the city of Ephesus. And he's writing to these Christians, and he's, he's really giving them what they need to live the Christian life there where they are at. And, uh, and it's an interesting book. Someone has said it's probably the deepest theological book in all of the Bible. And if you've ever studied the book of Ephesians, you know that that's probably true. Uh, there is a lot of deep concepts there in the book of Ephesians that teach us about who God is. And, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that Ephesians is not just a, a, a book of knowledge telling us who God is. It's a very practical book as well. And it's something that you can really apply into your life as you study it and, and begin to see how it, it takes effect in your life. And so as we study Ephesians, we're going to look at not just the theological side, but we want to look at the practical side. What does that mean uh, when Paul says what he says? What does that mean for our everyday life? Because that really answers the question of how the Holy Spirit actually does the work that he does. It answers the question of how how we can experience the Holy Spirit's power in our life, how we can experience that freedom that He gives, and, and it really gives us what we need to know to answer the question, how. So this morning, I want to just share a few truths there uh, about how it is that we can uh, experience the Holy Spirit's power in a very practical way, how we see His work, how we can follow that work and see Him do what He does in our life. Well, I want you to notice, first of all, there in your notes, when you begin in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe that Paul shares with those in Ephesus uh, the first truth that they need to know, and that is if you're going to live in the, uh, in the Holy Spirit's power, if you're going to uh, see the how of the Holy Spirit when He works, first of all, we must remove ourselves from sin. Notice what Paul says there. He says, Be ye therefore, in verse 1, followers of God as dear children. And he says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Then he says in verse number 3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, 
that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them. Paul is telling these Christians at Ephesus, listen, there's going to be uh, some that will might teach you the wrong kind of doctrine. They're going to teach you some wrong kind of teaching of what God says. And he says, I want you to understand you are not to follow that teaching. In fact, not only are you not to follow that teaching, you're not to follow that kind of lifestyle, that kind of practice. Do you know that all of our practice in life starts with the teaching that we have? Someone has said it this way, beliefs determine behavior. What you believe will determine how you act in life. And Paul understand that truth rather clearly. And, and so in verse number three, he begins to tell them, listen, there are some things you're going to have to remove from your life. You're going to have to remove yourself from that sin that uh, so thus easily beset people. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, he says, uh, Seeing that we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us not be set, let us not be beset with the sins that so does easily beset us. Uh, that word beset there means to hold us down. He says, don't let the sin that so easily can come into your life begin to hold you down. And you know, sin always has that power. Sin always holds us down. And so if you're going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to understand how the Holy Spirit works, you're going to have to understand First of all, the, 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 the thing I must do is remove myself from sin because it'll hold me back. It'll stop me from experiencing how the Holy Spirit wants to work in my life. So how do we remove that sin? First of all, Paul says you need to remove yourself from the sins of the flesh. The sins of the flesh. You see, Paul here names just a few sins that would affect us from walking in the Spirit. In the city of Ephesus, there were lots of false idols. There was a lot of idolatry. In fact, it's the, the place where uh, the religion that followed Diana, the, the goddess of the earth, the goddess of fertility, if you will, it was the birthing place of that religion. In Ephesus, the largest temple in that city was to the goddess Diana, a false god, a god that uh, people worshipped and uh, people practiced a, a wrong and immoral kind of lifestyle. And so uh, Paul was uh, trying to teach those Christians at Ephesus, listen, I know you've grown up with this. I know that in the city where you've grown up, uh, people have all kinds of immorality and it's not even looked uh, down upon. Uh, husbands would have their own mistresses uh, and, and they would be cheating on the right. And people would say, that's just normal. The way that they looked at it, they said, well, that's your, just your natural impulse. So if it's your natural impulse, then it can't be wrong. You're okay. And, and so the philosophy there and the way of life in Ephesus was, hey, if that's what you want to do, you go and do it. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like the philosophy today, does it not? Don't you hear a lot of people say, well, you only live once. Teenagers say YOLO, right? That's the little phrase. You only live once. They have the philosophy that says, well, if it makes you feel okay, then it can't be that bad. If, if, it's, if it's something that you want to do, just follow your heart. Just follow whatever you feel is right. It can be okay. But the fact of the matter is that Paul said, listen, just because everybody around you accepts it 
doesn't mean that God accepts it. Just because everybody around you doesn't see anything wrong with it, uh, God still sees something wrong with it. And so Paul is teaching these Christians, let me tell you something, if the, if the Holy Spirit is going to work in your life, you're going to have to remove yourself from all these sins of the flesh, whether it be uh, fornication, whether it be uncleanness, whether it be any other kind of moral sin, any kind of external sin, you need to remove yourself from that. The Holy Spirit cannot work in your life as long as there is that kind of sin that you're practicing in your life. You see, the how of walking in the Spirit begins with removing sin from your life. And by the way, the Holy Spirit helps you to do that. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the new man that is inside us. In fact, we don't have time to look through that whole passage, but in Ephesians chapter 4, the chapter right before, Paul was telling them and talking to them about that. And how the Holy Spirit is the, the one that gives us the new man. He's the new man inside of us that is conforming us more into the image of Christ. And he's the one that helps us to remove some of that sin from our life. In fact, Colossians 3, 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul says, listen, you've got to put those things to death. All right? Remove them out of your life. If you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to do that. Why? Well, he, says, he explains that in Romans 8. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Paul is reinforcing, let me tell you, if you're going to experience the Holy Spirit's power in your life, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you say, how do I do that? First of all, you're going to have to get yourself removed from those sins of the flesh. And can I say those sins of the flesh come in every day? It's a daily grind, a daily battle. It's a daily battle to think the right thoughts. It's a daily battle to love your husband as you ought to or love your wife as you ought to. It's a daily battle to uh, not provoke your children unto wrath, but to raise them and teach them in the faith and admonition of the Lord. Those are things that the flesh sometimes tells you, oh, this is not that big of a deal. Oh, it's just that that's the way you are. That's just your temper, your personality. That's just what you do. That's what everybody does. And Paul said, everybody might do that, but that should not be what you do. He said, if you're going to understand how the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, it's, it's going to be coming from first removing those sins of the flesh that want to control you. You can never enjoy the freedom nor walk in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit wants you to walk in when you have those fleshly sins in your life. But I want you to notice, Paul not only talks about the sins of the flesh, he talks about the sins of the heart. There in verse number 4, He's gone away from not just these external sins, but now these internal sins. Things like filthiness. You say, well, what does that uh, word uh, filthiness mean? That, that, that means it's, 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 uh, it's an a obscenity, basically shameful talking. He says that should not be something that you have in your heart. And that's, that's important because let me tell you something. Uh, what you have in a, your heart will eventually come out in your life. Notice, if you will, there in your notes, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And then 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse number 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Paul says, how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? How is it that this happens? How is it that you and I walk in the Spirit? Well, we do that by first removing the sins of the flesh in our life, but also removing those sins of the heart. Removing those things that would uh, bring us to, to, to say uh, shameful things or obscenities. That's what the word filthiness means. Or, or saying uh, things like foolish talking. This means making light or making fun of that which is sacred and that which is moral. And by the way, if you, uh, if you know anything about television, if you know anything about uh, the programs that they're uh, showing today on ABC and NBC during the prime time hours of television watching, you'll find that there's a lot of foolish talking on those shows. They want to make fun of the Bible and make fun of uh, those that uh, want to do what is right. They want to make fun of uh, the Christian philosophy. They want to uh, make fun of the Christian lifestyle. And, and let me say, Paul says, that is foolish talking, and that should not be something that you have in your life. And that, it should not be something that you and I practice in our life. And then he says, there shouldn't be jesting. That's v uh, vulgar talking. Uh, there shouldn't be that kind of, uh, of uh, comedy in our life where that's what we want to talk about and use all kinds of vulgarities with our friends or people at work or even at home. Paul says, listen, the Holy Spirit cannot work when that is happening. You cannot walk in the Spirit when you have those sins of the flesh and sins of the heart that are always there with you. Uh, during a tour of a large manufacturing plant, a, um, a visitor noticed that there was a man that was using a, a fiery torch with really high-intensity heat, and he was using it on these big slabs of steel. And he noticed that the man was looking at a blueprint, and whatever was on the blueprint, of course, the man was following and doing his best with that torch to, to get it to go right there on, on the steel. There were times, though, that as this man was looking at this other man use the torch to, to try to follow the blueprint, there was times when the torch on that steel was not doing anything. Where you could look and there was no impression made by the heat. Now, it's amazing because that heat, the intensity of that heat would burn through anything. It would burn through metal and it was burning through the metal easily in every other part. But he noticed that there were times and there were places on that, on that slab of steel that it would not work. And so curiosity got the best of him, and he went to the man, and he said, I, I noticed that there are some places that you use the torch, and nothing happens. No impression is made. There's nothing in the blueprint that can follow that. And, and he said, no, you're right. He says, though the intensity is the same as in every other place, it, it's not making an impression here. And he said, the reason for that, the reason that it won't make any impression is because right there in the area, there's some rust on it. And he says, until you remove the rust from there, then the torch, no matter how hot and how intense the heat is, it will make no impression. You know, as Christians sometimes, the reason that the Holy Spirit can't fulfill the blueprint 
that he wants us to have. The reason that you can't and I cannot walk in the Spirit is because we have the rust of sin many times in our life. And that rust prevents the Holy Spirit from giving that impression and putting his hand upon you and upon me. You see, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you've got to understand, as Paul said, we need to remove, remove that sin from our life. Remove ourselves from that sin. But I want you to notice, not only are we to remove ourselves from sin, but secondly, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we must reprove the works of sin. You'll notice there in verse number 8 that he says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, he says, reprove them. Paul here in this portion of this uh, scripture, Paul instructs those Christians in Ephesus not only to remove sin from their life, but begin to reprove uh, sin. Now, can I say that when you walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to realize it's not good enough just to simply not practice sin in your life. But we're here to reprove sin as well. There are those that have the idea, well, uh, to, to live holy and to, and to, and to do what God, God's will is. I, I got to go to the woods and, and be all alone, away from society, and that way uh, nothing can contaminate me. Nothing and no sin can tempt me. I will just be there in that solitary place, and there I can live a holy and set-apart life. But Paul says that's not the way you walk in the Spirit. You don't do that by leaving everything in society. Now, you ought to live this, leave sin uh, outside of your life. You ought to remove that sin from your life. That's true. Paul said that. But he says, not only are you to remove it, but you've got to reprove that sin. In other words, you've got to uh, 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 proclaim or, or say, hey, this is not right. The reproving of darkness is something that speaks against what sin is. Now, this is important because the way we do this, first of all, is through the light of God's Word. I want you to notice something before we go into the light of God's Word. I, know, I want you to notice that Paul says there in verse number 8, For ye were sometimes darkness. Now, there are other times, like in the book of Colossians and other books, where Paul says we were in darkness. But here he didn't put that two-letter word, in he said, but sometimes ye were darkness. And then he says, but now are ye light. In other words, not only are we surrounded by darkness, Paul said there are those that are darkness itself. But when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when you are walking in the Spirit, you are light. You're not just in light. You don't just see what is wrong. Say, I'm going to remove myself from that. You are a reproof of that sin. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He says, you're the light of the world. That's who you are. And that light ought to be reflected, first of all, in what you say, through the Word of God. You see, the stand against sin does not happen simply on our own thoughts about a certain topic. 
Some people have this idea, well, I'll just decide what is right and what is wrong. But God says, I I don't need you to decide what's right right and wrong. I've already told you what's right and wrong. And the way you reprove sin isn't by uh, really good and uh, uh, um, well-contracted and and well-written logical arguments. If you've ever tried to convince somebody to change their mind simply on arguments, I can promise you they'll never do it. If you're trying to get them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ simply on some good logical arguments, you won't do it. The only way you can lead somebody to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is when you use the Word of God. See, that Word of God is what gives us the light. It is the light. And and, uh, the Bible teaches us that it's through the Word of God that uh, we can give that light and reprove sin. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. You see, as the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit can help us apply it and use it to reprove sin in our world. That's why it's so important to walk in the Spirit. Paul said, listen, uh, the truths of this book are spiritually discerned. Only those that have the Holy Spirit in them can understand the truths of this book. Anytime you try to explain it to someone that doesn't have the Holy Spirit working in them or living in them, I should say, dwelling in them, they have a hard time understanding it. They think, oh, you're just narrow-minded. They think, oh, you're just a little bit too strict. Oh, you people are just, I don't know, you're not all there, you're a little bit crazy. You're way to the right. And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit's not in them to help them understand because these are spiritually discerned truths. But someone that has the Holy Spirit in them begins to understand the truth of God's Word, and and through that truth, through that understanding, begins to reprove the world of their sin. And that is why anytime you're correcting your child, let me tell you, you ought to use the Scripture. Anytime you, uh, uh, you're instructing or correcting someone, the Bible says, you know what, the best way to correct them is with the Word of God. Because Scripture is given for correction. You see that word doctrine there in, in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, that means teaching. The Bible is good to teach us what is right, but it's also good for reproof. That is teaching you what is wrong. The Bible is good to teach us what is right. The, God is, the, the Bible is good to teach us what is wrong. Uh, the, the, Bible, the Bible says there it's good for correction. That means how do I get right? It teaches us how to get right. And the instruction in righteousness tells us how we can stay right. And when you walk in the Spirit, that's what the Word of God does. It allows you to reprove the sin uh, of the world through the light of His Word. But then I want you to notice, not only through the light of His Word, but through the light of His work. See, the second way we reprove sin is not only in what we say with our mouth, the truths of God's Word, but in the lifestyle and the testimony that we give. You see, the Holy Spirit not only will guide us in the truth of the Word of God, but also He will help us to live righteously in our daily life. You see, part of the way in which we admonish people of sin is through living differently than those that are darkness. You see, the Bible says you're not just in darkness. You were darkness. But now, not only are you in the light, but you are light. And light is different than darkness. Did you know that wherever light is, darkness must flee? If I were to ask the ushers to 
turn the switch back there and the lights are to turn off, you'll see that we'll be surrounded in darkness, maybe other than the screens. But the moment that a switch flips, light comes into this room. And because light is in here, darkness must flee. Did you know when you have the light of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you're going to live differently than those in darkness? You're just, it's just going to happen. You don't have to consciously write down a list of how it happens. It's just going to happen. If you'll notice there in John chapter 3, John writes this about Jesus. And this is the condemnation that light, which was Christ, came into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Do you know, just by what Jesus did and said, they didn't like him. And then they didn't like him even more because of what he did. They didn't like what he said. They didn't like his teaching. Most of the Pharisees hated him, wanted to put him to death. But then when they saw what he did, they hated him even more. Don't be surprised that you put something positive about the Bible on your Facebook that people are going to hate you for it. But let me tell you something. You know when the hatred gets even more intense? When you go out into your workplace and actually live it out. Then it gets tougher. And that's why Peter wrote to those Christians that were actually living it out, those that had gone from darkness into God's marvelous light. He told them, listen, when you're going through suffering, just count it all joy. Count it joy that you're suffering for Christ. Remember who it is that you're suffering for and why it is that you're suffering. That suffering doesn't just come with what we say. It comes in how we live. And the reproof of Sin comes not merely just through the Word of God, but through the work of God in you. That's why it's so important as Christians, we must walk in the Spirit. Because walking in the Spirit means we're walking in the light. It means you're walking as light. That's why Paul says this. He says, walk as children of light. Walking in the Spirit means walking in the light that God has given you and me. So, How does the Spirit do this? How does He work in our life? First, He works by helping us remove sin from our life. That's how He's going to allow us to walk with Him. But then, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you've got to reprove the sin. Uh, You've got to reprove sin in the world. And then I want you to notice, thirdly and lastly this morning, we must redeem the time if we're going to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means that we must use every opportunity that God gives us to make the most of it. Notice in verse number 15, he says, he says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then he says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. That word redeem means to buy back, to, to, to have something in, in your possession that you have purchased that is your own. It's so interesting that Paul uses that word here, that we are to redeem that time. We're to to make it our own. Now, there are two factors to consider when you're making the most of opportunities that you have in life. There are two factors that, um, that make this possible. Number one is space, and number two is time. Space is the place where you are. God has given you an opportunity in that He's given you a space to be. In other words... We're here this morning in Mission, Texas. We're not in Austin, Texas. We're not in Houston, Texas. We're not even in San Antonio or Dallas, Texas. We're in Mission, Texas. That's the space that God has placed us to be. 
So there's opportunities that God has given us here in the space that we have. But then he's also given us time. The year that we're living this year is 2018. It's not 1818. It's not even 1918. It's 2018. You know, in the year 2018, we've had quite a bit of advancement from those that were in 1918 and 1818. We have technology. We have all these other things that God has allowed us to have in this time. Now, Paul is saying, listen, you need to make the most of the opportunities that God gives you from the space that he's given you and the time that he's given you to do it. He says, do your best to redeem that time. When you're walking in the spirit, you begin to redeem that time. How do you do that? First of all, by understanding God's will. That's what he says in verse number 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, this is more than just knowing the scriptures. What Paul is talking about here, he's talking about applying them. To have the Holy Spirit illuminate us is important. For us to understand what the truth is, that's important. But we must be ready to apply them to the different situations of life that we face every day. That's why he says you've got to redeem the time and be wise. Why? Well, because you need to understand, first of all, what what is the, the will of the Lord? In other words, what does God want you to do today? I wrote down just a few questions that came to my mind. And other, uh, sometimes questions that come into our everyday life, like, hey, does God want me to take this new job offer that I'm getting? I've read the Bible through. I've never found one time where it says, Jeremy, thou shalt take this job. But I've needed the Holy Spirit to lead me to know, should I take that job? Sometimes there's questions like, what does the co-worker that I have at work need to hear from me today? How am I going to show my wife or my husband that I love them today? You see, walking in the Spirit answers those kinds of questions. It helps you to understand what the will of the Lord is. That's why you got to redeem the time. That's why you got to make the most of the opportunities that you have, that space and time that God has given you. You have to make the most of it. Why? Because walking in the Spirit allows you to do that. It gives you understanding in what God wants you to do. I like in 1 Kings 19 and verse number 12 when Elijah was in a place in his life where he wasn't sure what he needed to do where he was a little bit scared and was a little bit confused. Verse 12 says, And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And he says, And after the fire, a still small voice. And if you read the rest of that chapter, you know that Elijah goes out of that cave and begins to speak with God. You know, when you walk in the Spirit, there's that still small voice that begins to illuminate you as to the truth of God's Word, but then it tells you how to apply that in your life. It helps us to understand what God's will is for you as husband, you as a student, you as a high school kid, you as a middle school kid. It helps you to understand it. Then I want you to notice that not only must we do it in the understanding of God's will, but we need to redeem the time in the control of His Spirit. Verse 18 and 19 says, And be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul then contrasts there the control of alcohol with the control of the Spirit. 
That's what he's trying to show here. He's saying when you're under the influence of alcohol, you're out of control. And he says you should not be in the excess of that. In the society and in the city of Ephesus, people were doing that left and right. It was normal. But Paul said that's not what it should be for you. But you need to be controlled by the Spirit. You know, uh, when you have alcohol in, this, in your system, you know, it affects everything about you. It affects your mind so that you think things that you didn't think before. You, in fact, it, it impairs your, your mind very much. That's why we have the law that says you cannot drink and drive. Why? Because you're not in a state of mind where you can drive correctly. The alcohol affects your mind, but then it affects your actions. There are some people that get so drunk with wine that, uh, and with alcohol that they'll go and, and they'll, they'll do shootings. They'll murder their, their uh, family. They'll, they'll do all kinds of things under the influence of that alcohol. And you'll see it'll, it'll affect the actions that they normally would not do, they begin to do. When you have alcohol in your system, it begins to uh, affect the emotions and you, you have feelings that you had not had before. Sometimes it takes you down into a deep, deep depression. Sometimes it, it gets you to a point where you feel hopeless and helpless. But Paul says, you know, that's why it's important not to get filled or controlled by alcohol. But then he says, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, when you're walking in the Spirit of God, he begins to control everything as well. He begins to control the way you think. And now the way you, you, you think about and what you, what you think about there at school is different. Suddenly, the, the way and the, and, and the manner in which you act is different. The way you speak to people, the way you look at people, the fact that you have a smile on your face. See, the Holy Spirit begins to influence everything, even emotionally. You start singing these songs, and man, you can't wait to sing the next one. I don't know how many of you were like me this morning, but sometimes I, I, I get a little bit down where I'm like, oh, we're going to stop singing already? Man, I could keep singing and keep singing. They're, they're, it's just beautiful. You see, when you're walking in the Spirit and in the control of the Spirit, then that's what happens. Look at verse 19 and 20 and 21. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Paul says, look it. It affects everything. It affects your fellowship with people. It affects what you talk about, what you sing about, who you praise, who you worship. Everything is affected when you're controlled by the Spirit. Can I say we need to redeem the time now? There are two words in Greek that are translated time in English. One is chronos, which means like time flow, like a clock. And the other one is kairos. And that means an important event in a moment of time. And it's funny because that's the word he uses here. Redeeming the kairos. Redeeming the moments that God has given you. Those opportunities that he has for you. He says, right now is the time to do it. Right now is the time to redeem them. Can I say, if you're here this morning and you've yet to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, if you have yet to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, let me tell you what the Bible says. It's there in your notes, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in an accepted in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Right there, the word time is kairos. Now is the accepted moment. If you haven't done it, today is the day that you need to do it. Today is the day that you need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 6, verse 21, it says, Blessed are ye that hunger now. 
for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. The word now there is the word kairos. Now. They say, don't wait till tomorrow to redeem the time. Now is the time to do it. Don't wait till tomorrow to make that decision. I'm going to change my life or I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Now is the time to do it. I challenge you this morning. Walk in the Spirit. And that way you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. How does this happen? How do I walk in that spirit? How do I experience that freedom? How do I know God's guiding me this way? When you remove sin from your life, when you reprove the sin that is in this world, and when you redeem the time that God has given you, you'll walk in the spirit. It's that simple. I pray God will help us, even this morning, to walk in the spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much.